a great day when the Lord is made. Amen. Every day that he gives to us is a gift. It's a gift. It's a long way. As my dad got older, he started talking like I'm living on borrowed time. You know, what he, what he was saying is that he, as God is extending his life for whatever reason. And uh, the Lord knows our time, and we just trust him with that. Meanwhile, we're going to live with the Lord's help. We get to live and to have our being and to walk with him. I believe that God wants to speak to us every day. I really believe that. I believe that he has something to whisper in our hearts and whisper in our minds or bring to our remembrance. The best way to hear from God is his written word, of course, his written word. You can't, you can't uh, get along without it. And I encourage you to take, take time through your week to read portions of Scripture. If you're not familiar with the Bible, I encourage you to start in the, the, the book of the, the, the New Testament, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, some of the, the life and story of Jesus himself, and begin to learn how he lived and how he operated on the earth. You begin to learn so much how it is to be a servant and to be a disciple. Jesus uh, demonstrated so well to us what it meant to, to serve, and he came to this life to give his life a ransom. Wouldn't the world be better off if we had more servants like Jesus? Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't the workplace be better off? Wouldn't our schools, wouldn't our places, our community be so much greater? Well, I thank God for every believer. I thank God for every person uh, that's in our community. He has a purpose. So last week we touched a little bit about how Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say, I'm, I'm going to try to build my church. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. All hell can try to stop Jesus, but that's all, they can, all it can do. Jesus is going to build his church. There's always been adversity. There's always been obstacles. There's always been challenges for the church of Jesus Christ and for the people of God. But God says, I will be with you, and I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will build my church. You and I are a part of the church of Jesus Christ when we accept Christ into our heart. We become a part of his body that's throughout the whole world. And so as we read scripture, we have this one person whose name is Paul. He didn't start out so great in his life. His name was actually Saul to start with. Now, if you remember anything about Saul in his early days before conversion, he thought he was doing God a service by having Christians destroyed in the name of God, not understanding who Jesus was. Until the day on the road to Damascus, a bright light appeared to Saul. Saul was knocked to his knees and cried out, and he heard the voice of Jesus, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Thank God for the power of Jesus who comes and invades people's lives. There was a God moment. Saul now is knocked on his knees. He's physicalized 
is actually blinded. He cannot see. He needs someone to lead him. He needs someone to help him. And the word goes on to instruct all. Saul was to go to a place. A man was praying. And this man was afraid to let Saul in his house because he knew his reputation. He knew Saul was destroying Christians, peoples. But he became obedient. Thus Saul received his eyesight back, his physical eyesight back. But Saul received more than his physical eyesight back. He received his spiritual eyesight he began to see things as they ought to be. He began to see things who Jesus was. He began to understand that who he is, and he changed Christ, changed Saul, becoming Paul's life for the better. Thus, we have a great portion of the scriptures that we read today. We have what we know as the prison epistles. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, all written while he was in chains, while he was in a prison cell. And someone recently I heard said, how would you, like, in those days, they would chain a, uh, a, a guard to the prisoner. And how would you have liked to have been chained to Paul? I mean, this guy is praying, and this guy is writing things down this things this guy is in has joy in spite of the circumstances and one of those letters we're going to look at and begin to i think we're going to stick with the book of ephesians for a few weeks and we're going to look at how paul wrote down with the inspiration of the holy spirit instruction encouragement to the church because the church needs encouragement because the devil is on the rampage trying to destroy believers getting them to doubt getting them to turn back getting them to fall away if he can but greater is he that is in you and i meaning christ greater is he that is in you and i than he that is in the world my wife and I were talking a little bit about leadership and a little bit about, you know, what is it that, what is the, one of the main things that stops or really uh, hinders leadership is that word discouragement. Discouragement. All of us, if you be honest, have had a few moments where you're discouraged. Anyone out there, you've ever had a moment of discouragement? Yeah? Guess what? It will happen. But we don't have to stay there we don't have to bow down to it we know where our source our strength is in the lord and david king david one day the battle was fierce and the enemy came and stole his men's his his soldiers wives and their children took off with them now what was very discouraging to david was that his own men, his own comrades, began to turn on him, began to blame David. And because of you, we've lost our families. And David said, let me turn to the Lord. Where's the priest's ephod, this garment that he put on as he went before the Lord? And the Bible says, David strengthened himself in the Lord. And I think that's a good word for you and I. Learning how to strengthen ourselves is only going to happen in the Lord. 
because God has more power than you and I have. We are only as strong as we are in the natural, but God has more for us to live above and beyond this natural thinking, and it comes supernatural. Now, I'm going to read portions of chapter 1 of Ephesians. And Apostle Paul, he often would address his letters by starting out, recognizing who's the writer, Paul, an apostle. I'll just to let you know, in order to be an apostle, one had to have been an eyewitness of Jesus. Okay? So, well, well how did Paul... How did Paul then describe himself? Well, the story that I told you in the beginning, when Saul was muttering and uttering threats against the church, Christ came to him. Literally, Paul, I believe Paul saw Jesus, and he had, a, he had an experience with Christ. Thus, he has become a, an apostle of Christ. By the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Something to be said always. The Bible encourages you and I to be faithful, even when we don't seem like anything's happening or nothing's really changing. God has called us to faithfulness. If he's called us to him, to walk with him, even though we do not feel like it, even though we don't always feel the joy of the Lord all the time, we're, we're determined to not leave the God we love. We are faithful. Faithful. The Bible says even when we're not faithful, he's faithful. He's faithful. Thank the Lord for his faithfulness. Grace to you, peace from our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he goes to say, verse 3, Blessed be the God, Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose you, just as he chose us, rather, in him before the foundation of the world. Now, I want you to just chew on that. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. In other words, God had it in his heart to create us before he created the world. Before the foundation of the world. Before he spoke the earth and the elements, the heavens as we know over the earth and around it, God had you and I in mind. And it says that we should walk that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Well, let me end at, the, at this sentence. That we should be holy and blameless before him. That's a period. It is in the heart of God that God would include us into his holiness. Heaven will be a place where we will see the fullness of who God is. Right now, we only see a part. You know, we could not, we cannot stand, we could not live 
The Bible described we could not live in this body if we were in the fullness of in the presence of God because it's way too holy. But his grace and his mercy is preparing us If I were to title this message, I would say, God, God's, God chooses us. That's a humbling thing. Why would God choose you and I? A lot of us struggle, I think, from time to time, feeling like we're not good enough. Hello? God says, let me come into your life and you will be made more and more and I will make you more and more like who you have cre I've created you to be more and more and to know me more and more and to bring, bring yourself to that place of surrender where you say, you know what? I realize now my life is not just my own. I don't just live for myself anymore. It's just not all about me. It's about what the Lord wants. What does the Lord want to speak to me today? What does the Lord want to say to me today? What does the Lord want to speak into my life so that I can bring the message to other people that are around and in my family, around my neighborhoods, around the workplace, that we might walk before we figure, we figure this. How can God, all this stuff, be taking place at the same time he's creating he created the heavens and the earth and then we see when we read in love in love he predestined us as adoption to son this word predestination is really has kind of raised issues in the church overall some issues i've learned here's my take on it I believe that God gives to us, you, gives to us a, a will, a choice. He chooses us. He said, I choose you. He predestined us to adoption as sons. You've got to read the rest of this verse. Through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his wills, of his will. In other words, he chooses us knowing that Christ will become our redeemer, knowing that Christ is the one who will bring us into right relationship. In other words, if I could say it this way, God chooses us knowing because those who accept Christ, those who believe, then will be saved. I believe God knows the beginning to the end, but I also believe that he allows us to live in this life with the choice. It's our choice to accept him or not. And I'm so glad that we can make the choice. to. You know, what, what if we couldn't make the choice? What would we have become more or less uh, robotic in a sense, more or less the relationship wouldn't be there? So I believe there's, there's this idea that God is desiring for us to know him and for us to just simply come just as we are. That's, that's the will of God. He knows we can't save ourselves. 
All have sinned and fallen short, Romans 3.23. All have sinned. No matter how hard I try, I keep missing the mark. No matter how good I try to be, I can't live good enough to save myself. And so then I realize it's not me. It is what the Lord has done. So then I come and say, Jesus, Lord, help me. Lord, forgive me. And one of the greatest, greatest gifts that you and I have today is understanding that there is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. And Ephesians will get into that the next chapter. For by grace we've been saved. It is the gift of God. Nothing I can do. But after we're saved, then we want to do good things. That's, that has to be in right order. In other words, he fixes our want to. That makes sense? Paul's Saul, before he was converted, didn't want anything to do with Christianity. But the Spirit of God opened his eyes, and he praises later in this chapter. I pray that verse 18, I'm skipping ahead a bunch, so just bear with me. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And he's talking to the people of God. He's talking to the church. So that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Oh, my goodness. If we could just get a glimpse of glory. Just get a glimpse of heaven. All of a sudden, oh, wow. Why am I hanging on to this life so hard? Listen, nothing's going to hold us back. Nothing's going to want. What I've heard, people who've had experiences of visions in heaven, or maybe they actually went there in the spirit. When they get there, they don't want to come back here. Why is that? Because it's way better. It's way better. It's where our life really is heading. It is where it's, it's the goal. It's the goal. It's the heart of God to seek and to save that which is lost. And what he's saying to us, in spite, I know that you will sin. In spite, I know that you will fall, that you will fail. Yet I will create you, and I will put a heart in you that can understand, and I will help you if you will find, let me, I've chosen you, and if you will just walk with me, we will go to a wonderful eternity with him. God forever and forever. You know, that's good news. Absolutely. You know what lost feels like? You ever been lost? Maybe you've been turned around. But have you ever really been lost? Maybe in this traffic, maybe, but maybe in the woodland. 
I remember the days we used to take the hound dog and get on a trail, find a raccoon. What was funny about it, fun about it, or ex sort of fun, yeah. We'd go in and get excited, go around the tree where the dog treed the coon, and all of a sudden we don't remember which direction we came in. There's a feeling that comes over you. You're either going to be walking for a long time or spending the night in the woods, being lost. But there's another lostness where there's this hopeless feeling that you cannot save yourself, no matter how hard you try. Or maybe you just have this thinking that, I hope I'm good enough. What the Bible teaches us, teaches us this understanding that you can know him and have an assurance that you are going to be with him forever in heaven. We'll get to those verses later. But to think that he chose us. Then, you know, remember high school, you remember grade school, not high school so much, but grade school. If you were like me, you know, they didn't pick me right away to be on the baseball team. You know, you, that was a terrible thing to go through. You, you, you remember this stuff? You line up and then get a captain, and he would pick the ones, you know, that he felt probably that were the best players, of course, and you're standing there. I don't know if you were ever like that. Yeah, kind of humbling. But God says, I choose you. I choose you. I've created you. I have plans for you. God loves us doesn't always like what we do. That's a different understanding. God's desire is that all would be saved, not willing that anyone should perish. The good news is that he has provided a way to escape eternity without him. He's provided a way to escape hell. He's provided a way through Christ and we can know that we're saved, we're, we're in. And this little word, word in verse 7, in him we have redemption. This little word redemption has to do with, I have a debt that I cannot pay. All the money that I could come up with would still be short. I have this debt because, this debt is that because one man sinned, all men has become sinners. Just as one sin entered into the world, all have become sinners. And so thus, we understand without the Redeemer, we would not be able to pay the debt off. But Jesus said, I, I paid for his, I paid for his debt. Father, he's mine. I paid for his debt. He accepted me. He's yours. See how it works? Humbling. Humbling to think that he would pay for our debts. The forgiveness of our trespasses because of one sin. 
one sin entered in until now all man has a sin problem. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And this verse 7, we understand that we were trespassing, that we were need, but according to his riches of his grace. And this next verse 8 begins to describe by a word he, he as New American Standard reads, which he lavished. That, that's, a, that's a unique lavished. And it's like, what can I, how do I define lavish? And I would say this, it was over the top. God went over the top. God went farther than we deserved. God did exceeding abundantly. Ephesians later on says, exceeding abundantly above and beyond. According to the power, we cannot think, we cannot even describe the fullness, the splendor, the awesomeness of God. It is in the heart of God to give to his people insight and wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, the mystery of his will. Let me just help you understand what is the mystery of his will. You see, Old Testament, the people Israel were the people of God. Why were they the people of God? Because God came to them, came to Abraham, said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a nation. You are small now. Look out at the stars. You see, you can't even count them. I will make your descendants as many. Abraham believed. And it was reckoned unto righteousness. The children of Israel in the Old Testament, they were the only ones. They, th they were the only people of God. New Testament, because Christ came, his death, his resurrection, he brings all people together, Gentile, other, all other races. Now we are adopted. That word adoption appears. So it's like, it's like saying you, you didn't have any way to save yourself. These people do not have a shepherd, but I will graft them in. I will welcome them as well because God loves all peoples, all tribes, every tongue. Does not matter your IQ, does not matter what you look like does not matter. You exist. You have a spirit. You have a soul. And there's a place where that soul and that spirit, God desires that soul and that spirit to be with him. That's what. That's what it means. Here's what it means to be converted. Is that God, the Holy Spirit, God's spirit, comes into our spirit and joins with our spirit. Does that mean I'll never mess up? No. Does that mean I'll never, you know, does that mean I'll always want to be good? No. 
Because Paul's describing this in Romans, this battle that's going on with the spirit, the flesh versus the spirit. The spirit wants to be in control. Well, there's this little word called will, your choice. Hallelujah. Does this make sense? How much does God love you? I don't think we really can understand that. No greater love, it says. That you described your disciples, no greater love than the man to lay down his life. For one person, for the family, but for what we would say an enemy. That's that's over the top. That surpasses. Remember Lowell Lundstrom's team? I don't know, probably some of you do. They wrote a song. I think they wrote it. A fugitive. And in this song, there's a line that says, you were never meant to walk the path you trod. Mary used to sing. (laughs) Why don't you turn, turn, turn around? And in that song, there's this plea that we can come to Jesus no matter what we've done, no matter how far we've drifted, no matter if it's our last breath we draw. We have time, and only until then, to say, Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. The good news of the cross is that he paid the price. It's stamped in full, and then we read on about the seal of the Holy Spirit. And he gives to us his spirit. I don't have time to talk talk about inheritance. Because you belong to him, you have an inheritance. Did you know that you're rich? You're richer than anything in this world because Christ has has an inheritance. You belong to him. I'm going to read just a portion of 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Friends, no matter what you have new in this earth, you will struggle to keep it looking new. It's just life. Everything that we know in this world, but everything that is in the life to come in Christ and heaven above will never fade, will never rust, is reserved. It will not fade away, and that's what we're looking forward to. But until then, 
He said, I will walk with you. I will be with you. I will, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will empower you. I will give to you the wisdom and the understanding. If we will ask, if we have lacking in wisdom, and you've ever been in life in situations, you don't know what to do. You don't know what there's a difference between knowledge and there's a difference between wisdom. Wisdom is actually knowing how to apply knowledge. Wisdom has to do with what is the, what is the best for everyone. Wisdom has to do with God's point of view. And sometimes, oh my goodness, life is has its moments where if you do this, this is going to happen. If you do this, this is going to happen. Everything you're going to do is going to hurt somebody, and you don't know what's the thing to do. Right? Have you been in life lately? Amen? Yeah. I think we all understand. Here's what we need to do. You need to, here's what you need to do. Jesus into your hands. It's out of my hands. I'm only going to do if I hear what you say to me. And sometimes the Lord says, just don't do anything right now. Just wait. Because I am working. Don't get ahead of me. Work with me. Right? I think that's wisdom. And I said to someone lately, you know, one of the things that helps us in this life to know if we're in the will of God is this little word named peace. You see, peace is God. Peace. We have peace. It's God. If there's, if there's this confusion, if there just doesn't feel right, wait. Wait. The enemy is the author. He wants to confuse us. He wants us to get us to do something we ought not to do. But the Holy Spirit is gentle. The Holy Spirit knows the heart of God. The Holy Spirit is in harmony with the Father. And so we walk together. And so he gives us the Holy Spirit as a pledge. And to finish out a little bit of this chapter, I alluded to the, the verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart. I can understand to a degree what I need to do But it has to become really for in order for it to be genuine, it needs to be out of a love relationship. Not because I have to, but because I get to. Right? We get to do so much. Oh, I remember in the youth group, we say, oh, I hope they don't get called to Africa. Oh, you know, if I really go out for God, he will call me to some place. I'll be so ruined. I'll be so desolate. I'll be so bored. Wait a minute. God is that way. I don't think he works that way. He says, he says, 
you you follow me and I'll give you the desires of your heart and here's how it works you follow Christ you start to learn his heart you start to think like he thinks you start to look and walk and all of a sudden you start considering what if God wants me to do something way off somewhere and all of a sudden it's no matter like you start feeling your heart opening up and you start to say, you know what, I think I think maybe the Lord is calling me to do something like that. And it begins to grow inside of you. And all of a sudden it starts to become a, a calling. And I remember before I came here, it was I was quite happy where I was. I loved Palisade and nine years there. But it was right out on the street here. I was driving through on a work, working, minding my own business. And it came into my mind, my thoughts. You're going to be here someday. Oh, oh I thought, well, okay. Um, that, I have, the community was growing on me. I got so excited, I had to call my wife. And I said, I think the Lord just said to me, uh, he, he wants us to go to Cross Lake. <laughs> so it was a process. A couple years went by through a process where I couldn't shake it. I couldn't get it away from it. I couldn't. And I got to a place where, okay, Lord, if this is really of you, I'm going to start to move out. I'm going to start to step forward. And if it's not of you, just shut the doors. I mean, I was trying to make it, you know, I don't want to make a blunder do something in my own strength. But turns out, everything kept saying go. Go forward, go forward, go forward. And so, here we are after, I don't know, 20, 25 years here now. And just seems like we're getting started. What is that? I think it's has to do with just being content where God puts you. He places us. He works with us. He knows where we'll work the best. He knows what, he knows the future. And if we will just stick with Jesus and trust in him, we're going to be fine. Because the goal is this, to let go and let God. Let go. And that God. So today.